probably three years in a row where I said, if things don't get better by the end of this year, well, I need to do something else. Because it's working too hard, not making enough money, and it's all too difficult. So if it doesn't improve, then I'm gonna get rid of the business. It improved very, very little. And then the next year I'd say, okay, if it doesn't improve again. <laughs> so I spent three years of that conversation with my wife. I recognized that it was just too hard to be all things to everyone. And so I decided that to simplify, we needed just to focus on one area of advice. It was scary. I'd never really turned people away <laughs> before, but I think something needed to change for us. Welcome to Getting to the Heart of Business, brought to you by The Online Co., where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. I'm James Parnwell, and today you'll hear from Phil Thompson, a guy who started his career as a circus performer and now owns a company called Sky Wealth, specialising in income protection and life insurance. You'll hear why he made such a radical career change and how a few brave and clever decisions in his business have made it into a very successful enterprise. My co-host is Jess Caluso. G'day, Jess. Hey, James. So when the internet started, people started selling things pretty quickly. eBay was pretty early to the game, but people were cautious. They right? were, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and you didn't want to spend money because... You hadn't seen the person selling it and you hadn't seen the product. That's it. It was so different. We just weren't used to purchasing a, in that yeah, way, were we? A different way of purchasing. But then over the years, we've gotten used to the idea. We certainly have. I certainly have. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy anything online. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's something crazy or unusual you've purchased online? I think the craziest thing I bought online was technically my first car, which is a 1967 Mini which okay. my dad and my younger brother and I purchased off eBay. We had a few grainy pictures to look at. I think there's about eight pictures. Okay. And, and did you talk to the person that was selling it? Oh, look, I, I don't think so. I think it was back in the days where you just did the eBay auction and you, you had to keep refreshing and clicking and adding okay. your, your dollar bid or, or whatever. And uh, we won. So we had to go pick up this car from Nowra and so, we still so have it. Hypothetically, it might not have existed. <laughs> Correct. Although the person probably had a few purchases in a, what, what is it, the stars system? I, yeah, I think so. Look, at that point in time, I was uh, about 16 years old. So my dad was vetting the, okay. the seller. Uh, uh, he's a pretty seasoned eBay purchaser. Even back then, I think he'd been buying on eBay for a little while. So it's fair to say that he had would have done some research into the seller. But yeah, for, for, for me as a 16-year-old, which is going back a while now, you know, it was a bit Wow. Okay, we're buying a, a car. Your first car? Yeah, yeah first online. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil Thompson's company, Sky Wealth, deals in life insurance. In our interview, he shares how they found their groove and was able to take things online. Uh, when they decided to stop being all things to all people and instead got laser focused about what their product was, what market they were selling it to and how they would deliver it. It's a great lesson in the power of targeted marketing and finding your niche. Welcome to the podcast, Phil. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get into your business journey, you have an unusual background for a financial planner. Yeah. What was that you were doing beforehand? Yeah, professional acrobat turned professional services. It's uh, <laughs> the age-old so, story. So I believe there's about 20,000 financial planners in Australia. Yeah. There would be a total of one of them that has like a circus arts background? Almost certainly, yeah. <laughs> That's an unusual it. mixture. Yeah, How'd you get into one. that? Um, I was, I did it in high school. I was interested in drama, interested in sport. And then a, a, a local community circus came and just pitched to our, our drama class and said, look, 
if you're athletic and, and you like drama, why don't you come and try it out? So did it, fell in love and, and did it for the next kind of six, seven years. Right. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. Very unusual. So then you've switched over to financial planning. What was the, what was the call there? Yeah, so I realized that um, circus arts is difficult. You're using your body. There's only kind of so much time that you can be, be in the business and, and you're only as good as your last kind of gig that you do. So it's, it's a really difficult kind of business to build because uh, it's all reliant on your body. As soon as that breaks, you're, you're done. Um, so I wanted something more long-term, more stable. So I decided I, I liked accounting and I liked um, you know money and numbers. Um, and then I asked my, my biggest sister, Kirsty, previous guest, um, yeah. what I should do because she had done both. Uh, and she said, do not do accounting. Don't sit in front of a computer all day, every day. <laughs> it's boring. It's not the type of work that you want to be doing. Um, so I moved into financial planning. Okay. So Kirsty was our guest on episode number four. She had an accounting background and switched out to something quite different. Yeah, completely but... different as well. Yeah, we both did <laughs> U-turns. Now you got a job. And a couple of years in, the owners of the business you were working for decided to sell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. So then you saw an opportunity, but you were young at the time. Yeah. Well, you definitely wasn't ready. Looking back, I, if 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 someone told me, you know, if if someone asked me, should they have done it? I, I mean, I'd say it's dumb, but why not? Give it a go. Um, but yeah, I was 24 at the time. Yeah. Um, had a little one, had a baby, and and another one on the way. Um, at the time that my boss said he was he was ready to sell and I knew the business was probably not at a position where I could move into the new firm um, that would take on they could probably absorb the business so I decided to kind of just offer and say look why don't I look at buying right now most financial planners are pretty risk averse uh, and they need to be right that's Mm. you're managing people's retirement yeah Um, this sounds like a kind of jump off the deep end high risk maneuver yeah yeah um, at the time, was it like I'm thrilled and excited, or were you terrified, or uh, but both, <laughs> both yeah. at the same time? <laughs> um, I I thought to myself, like I, I wanted to be in business. I, I that was kind of the main driver of financial planning because I saw it as a good business where you could have a, a lifestyle as well as run a good business. So that was kind of a driver. I always wanted to run my own firm. And I thought to myself, oh, look, I'm 24. If it all blows up in my face and I lose a few hundred thousand dollars, then I can go work in a corporate job. Okay. Pay it off You've got it. enough time to kind of come back yeah. at, at 24. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so the risk management questions were still there in your head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I knew it could have gone bad so very quickly. Yeah, and your father-in-law helped you out? Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, yeah, you know, because I, I had no money. <laughs> Me and my wife were earning very little. She was on mat leave, so it was a matter of where do we find the money to be mm. able to buy into this business. Um, not many people I know have the money or a willingness to, to give it to me. But my father-in-law, fortunately, I picked up the phone and, and said, hey, look, so he offered the money. Uh, well, I, yeah, I asked. Um, yeah. he, he's run his own business before, okay. so he kind of understood the risk. And he said, look, if, if you're willing to ask for the money, and um, then, then why not give it a go? So has he kind of coached and advised you and been a mentor to you along the process? Uh, a little bit. No, nothing formal. No, yeah. there was, there's definitely times where I've gone and we've, we've had chats and, yeah. and definitely, I mean, just that 
someone to say, yes, here is a whole bunch of money. It's a big step of belief, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, give it a go. Um, was a huge step of faith for him to kind of realise. Did you get backed by a father-in-law who like took your, took his daughter and he's yeah. supposed, supposed to not like you very much for yeah. doing that? Yeah, <laughs> and, and when, I, when, we, when I talked about marrying his daughter, he was very... He asked plenty of questions at the time and he, he wasn't so keen on it. Um, but right. yeah, the, the, he's, he's, he's changed his mind. Yeah. Those, um, those informal chats with people are really wonderful, aren't they? Because we, we tend to surround ourselves with paid advisors, with accountants mm. and coaches. And, uh, but having people in your life who, I don't know, over Christmas dinner or you know, one afternoon over a cup of tea or whatnot, just to have those chats, um, it's, really, it's really wonderful to have just friendly voices mm. in business. And yeah, people who've experienced it before is is always super helpful. Yeah. So tell me about your growth journey. You've kicked off. You've taken the plunge. Yeah. So it was it was pretty slow, slow going at the at the very beginning. Um, I took over an existing client base. Yeah. Um, so the first two years was just about securing that. I spent a whole bunch of money um, to buy a client base. Now I want to make sure they they feel comfortable. They want to stay with the business. Um, and okay. so that was really a focus for for too long, probably. I spent too long worrying about it and you know giving them the best service possible um, and less focused on growth. And so it probably took us quite a number of years to start growing and we, we slowly grew. Um, and then kind of things really started to take off a bit more. more so, so for those who don't know, when you buy a financial planning practice, you're actually buying a list, of, you're buying a book, yeah. a, a list of clients they don't know you they know the previous owner and based on history they may have been ignored by the previous owner you don't know what the history is like that might have been a once a year email or that they might just been taken a been a bad old days just taken a fee off the superannuation and that could have been it so but what you've done is you've gone and spent time getting to know these yeah people. it was it was a bit better than that it was quite fortunate i was working in the business so i knew the clients okay. they all knew me um, so they, they, that's why I say I probably spent too much time because there actually right. wasn't that risk because they all knew me. They felt comfortable. Right. It was the previous advisor had left and I'd, I'd be looking after them now. Okay. Um, so there wasn't that much of a risk really um, when, when you think about it. Um, and so that's why I probably invested too much time in that space and not focusing on, on growing the business. Okay. So... At the start of 2019, you felt like things needed to change. In fact, you used the word stuck. You felt stuck. Mm. Describe that to me. Because I think a lot of listeners feel stuck at certain points in their business journey. Yeah. What did stuck mean for you? Yeah, so, I, I mean, it was probably probably three years in a row where I sat down with my wife and said, look, if things don't get better by the, by the end of this year, then I need to do something else. Because it's working too hard, you know, not making enough money um, and it, it's all too difficult. So if it doesn't improve, then I'm going to, you know, get rid of the business and go do something else. D- it improved very, very little. And then yep. the next year I'd say, okay, if it doesn't improve again. <laughs> so I spent three years of that conversation with my wife um, and then, you know, just, you know, a bit of stupidity kept on going. Um, and then, yeah, end of 18, 2019, it was... You know, we've got to make some changes. So um, okay. I don't reach the end of your rope. <laughs> yeah, I was ready. I was kind of, you know, would say midlife crisis, but it was ready to something needed to change. And so for me, it was, you know, the business was at a sustainable level. We weren't, you know, shooting out the lights. But for me, it was just more of a, 
hey, let's do something different. One of the major drivers of starting the business was the fact that I don't need to be sitting in front of clients to be able to serve them. So I don't need to be um, in a meeting room every single week. We can do it remotely predominantly. It's just, you know, how do do we do that? And so that was a driver. I spoke to Kate and said, look, one of the things I really wanted is to be able to spend three months overseas every single year. Um, And we did holidays, but there was never a plan to actually formalise that and, and do it. So it was a discussion of, how do we do it? Can we can we do it? Do we want to do it? And and how do we actually go about doing it? Um, because something needed to change for us. All right. So there's the bigger lifestyle goal behind the driver, mm. and on the other side there was just the inertia of hey, it's improving a bit, it's going all right. And then you're like, nah, three years I've you know it's now staying is more painful than change, so mm. to speak. And you change your business direction. Yeah. And um, started niching. Mm. Tell me about that process. Yeah, so in financial planning world, there's a whole bunch of changes, legislative changes that's been happening for, I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah. It's conti- continual change and, and, and things going on. And so I, re- I recognised that it was just too hard being a solo advisor practice um, to be able to be all things to everyone. Um, too much risk compliance risk you know if i say the wrong thing because i'm not totally on top of everything that's going on uh it was too risky for my business so i started to start you know simplifying who we worked with and the type of advice we gave so previously we would kind of work with anyone Uh, if they're a retiree we'd work with them if they're um you know young clients we would work with them and and any scope of advice so investment super insurance whatever they needed we would be able to offer that and so I decided that, that to simplify, we needed just to focus on one area of advice and focus on you know, the type of people we work with um, moving forward. And so that, that decision was, was insurance. Um, so life insurance? Yeah, life insurance and in- income insurance. Okay. So you've kind of decluttered the business, so to speak. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no pun intended, Kirsty. Yeah. Me. <laughs> now... When you start a business, you kind of have to take every piece of work that comes your way. Mm. It, and it's not a bad strategy. It's a good strategy for starting. But there does come a time where it's like, I can't do, I can't be all things to all men anymore. Mm. Um, it's too painful because the business reaches the size. And, uh, and then niching becomes logical. Yeah. But it actually becomes really powerful mm. because... We, we talk about the uh, the potato soup, how there's 20,000 financial planners and they all look the same, they all sound the same. There's just this beigeness to an industry. But yeah. as soon as somebody says, I'm going to do something specific, all of a sudden they're like a piece of red chilli in that potato soup. They, they look different, they mm. poke out. So you've done that on who you wanted to talk to, so that's millennials. Yep, yep. And what you're going to do, life insurance and yeah. income protection. All right, so what happened with the business once you've made that call? Yeah, so I mean, it was it was scary. I'd never really turned people away um, before, and so it's I actually I've I've referred out more clients than I ever referred got referred to. I was going to ask, how did you turn them away? Because saying no, I don't do business with your type. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. awful. No, no, no. You, we, you just created referral partners and yeah, sent them elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. We, we, that was a big driver because that's that's kind of the big fear. You know, when when you stop providing a service, well. You can't just say, well, I was doing this last week, but no longer doing it anymore. Um, So we built out really good referral partners where it's, look, this isn't what we do. Um, We're not experts at it, but 
I can refer you to three people who are great at it. Okay. And the people you're referring to don't necessarily specialise in what you're doing? Uh, that's right. Well, they don't specialise in it. They, they still provide advice in, in the areas that, that we do. So they still provide that advice. Do they refer back? Um, not heaps. We've got some referral partners that refer in. So some other financial advisors who don't want to do insurance. Right. And they refer to us because they, they see the power in you know, doing what they do really well and, and referring to us. So they've niched in another direction to you. Exactly, yeah. And um, so life insurance is a bit of a, like a bit of a sticky place because a lot of financial planners are getting out of that. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, why are they leaving? Uh, legislative changes. So we get remunerated via commissions from mm. the insurance company um, and that got halved over the last three years. It's gone, gone down significantly. So it's much harder to provide the advice. We get paid much less. So that's why you know, plenty of advisors are moving out of that space. Um, but that was kind of a, a big driving force for me to say, well, if it is harder to do, most people are, are really archaic in the way they provide the advice. If we can just build out really good processes and just be super focused on this one area, yeah. then we can, we can still make it profitable and, and partner with those people who are leaving that space. Okay, so you're talking about economies of scale, you've got mm. systems, it all rolls through pretty quickly, so your margins come back, mm. even though you've lost half of them. So then you've, because you've defined what you do and who you're talking to, you're able to market very specifically. Yeah. And all of a sudden marketing becomes clear. What, what is it that you do for marketing to grow your business? Um, well, for us it's more building out alliance partners. So okay. referral partners who bring in um, leads, who talk to the people that we want to talk to, and they can articulate exactly what we do. And, um, and that's been really powerful. In the past, like, I'm a financial planner. Well, what do you do? Well, well I do a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Like, it's very <laughs> difficult. you got half an hour, I'll yeah, tell you all about it's, it. <laughs> it's very difficult for people to refer into a financial planner when we do everything for everyone. Yeah. Um, but as soon as there's a need for life insurance or income insurance, well, then we're a perfect fit for that client. Um, and so it's just been really easy for our alliance partners to be able to refer to us. And that's why we've, we've seen huge uptake in our referrals coming into the business because we've been very specific in exactly the clients we want to talk to. Are you receiving SEO emails all during the week from random people offering to do some service that you don't really understand? Well, you'll never guess, we get them as well, and we do SEO. There's a myth out there that essentially you can trick Google into making your website on the first page, and that it'll get you loads of business, and it'll be fantastic forevermore. Unfortunately, that idea is nonsense. The truth about SEO is that when somebody types in your keyword, and they're looking for your product or service, that you need to provide the very best information to that person. This is where we talk about putting people first. Your website needs to be fantastic. It needs to talk to that person, solve their problem, and be super helpful. This is just one of the ideas we talk about in our digital marketing playbook, where we come across and look at a holistic digital marketing plan for you. If you need help with SEO or your overall digital marketing planning, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can book a quick chat at theonlineco.net. Um, so tell us about COVID. Yeah, COVID was interesting for us. So we did have clients who were losing their jobs and, and that impacted us a small amount. While we're getting them income insurance, as their income drops, they can't get insurance. Um, so that, that has an impact on, okay. on a very few select client base. 
Um, but for us, we were kind of positioned really well. We were already all online. Yeah. So 2019, we'd focus, I'd focus really hard on building our processes online. Um, so COVID hit while every other financial planner is trying to learn how to use Zoom. Well, we were already doing that for <laughs> every been doing it for meeting. a while, yeah. yeah. So we, we never saw clients face-to-face like at the later half of 2019. So we were already, um, there was actually no no impact on our business from COVID. Well, was it the opposite? Well, yeah, potentially. It's it, We were already growing at a pretty pretty rapid rate and we kept growing through COVID. So it's hard. I'd love to, you know, a sliding doors moment to see, okay, if COVID didn't happen, yeah, would, you would have we have still same? grown yeah. as much or would, would we have grown it more? Um, but I think, yeah, during COVID, everyone's freaking out about, well, if I don't have an income, what am I going to do? Like it's, it's much more relevant to people. Okay. Uh, and so therefore having insurance on that income becomes so much more important. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard to, hard to know whether the pandemic actually created more people interested in getting income insurance um, or if it impacted us negatively. But in 2020, you saw some pretty substantial growth. Yeah, yeah, we grew 260% in, in 2020. Okay, so, I mean, that's everybody's dream. Mm. Hey, I want to grow, I want to triple my business in a year. But when it happens, it's like, oh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't quite as fun as I thought because yeah. it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. T- tell us about that. The, uh, it's, I always say in business there's problems, right? There's either good problems or bad problems. You've mm-hmm. got a good problem. Yeah. It's the right problem, but it's still a problem. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've, I've been in the place where we didn't, didn't earn enough money. And, right. And that's stressful. <laughs> that's worse, now definitely. It's, um, <laughs> now our problem is how do we not blow up as we grow? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's heaps of problems hiring and, and working out, you know, when we hire, now I think about instead of like, oh, what do I need in a year's time? It's, well, what do I need in the next three months? Um, because that may be another staff, another two yeah, staff. Yeah. So we were in the October, December quarter of 2020, I hired four new staff um, and we were busier than we've ever been and I'm doing a million interviews. So uh, it's top, like yeah. it's very stressful um, growing quickly. Yes, it's um, stressful. That's the truth. Mm, yeah. Um, and and again, it's like it's, you know, there's there's many more issues and many more problems than having too many leads but it is it is a difficult time growing that quick yeah so we talk about the best way to grow a small and medium business is to put people first Mm. one of the people is your staff Uh, the other one's your customer and the other one here is your referral partners so i'd like to ask you about the referral partners and your staff how is it that you've gone about finding the right people and have has that gone south at times um We've been really fortunate. The the referral part, our main referral partner has been growing really well um, in in their business, and so um, to be quite honest, we've been growing off the coattails of them. Yeah. Um, so all when we talk about that alliance partner, all I think about is how do we how do we give them what they need, and and what is it that they need, um, and so our our partner they just want to know that the clients are going to be looked after. Yeah. Number one, that's really important. And to make sure that you know we're, we're doing a good job, and and a part of that is just contacting the client within four hours of, of an introduction. Yeah. And so for me, that's kind of I've been laser focused in making sure that we are doing that. Yeah. You know, if a, if a ref- introduction comes in, then I'm getting onto it straight away. There's no, you know, I'll deal with that tomorrow or nothing like that. Um, yeah. So if you've referred someone, you've almost put your name on the line to say. This person's going to look after mm. you. So, so if they don't, it's like a bit of a stain on you. So yeah. it's, it's really important that you 
look after them. How, how did you find your referral partners in the first place? Just friends, people that I've, I've connected with over time. Um, and so I've, I've been pretty active in financial planning industry and, yep. and in the space for a while, being on you know, groups within the association, going to conferences. And so I've, I've really invested in meeting people and whether they're going to be a good fit for my business as a hire, whether they're going to be a good referral partner in the future. I've just, over the last you know, 10 years I've been in business, it's been about how do I just build relationships? Not for any selfish purpose, but just meeting people building these relationships. Well, you're giving and receiving, aren't you? Mm, it's, exactly. it's both, yeah. So tell us about your best or worst hiring decision. Yeah, so when when we were hiring quickly, that the worst hiring decision was just hiring quickly and not really thinking about, you know, who it was. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we had a pretty bad experience with, with one hire and the reason we did is because it was a partner of another staff and, and it was just, I need someone three weeks ago come into my business <laughs> and start working um so that you know i had to had to let them go 12 months later and it was a good six months of trying to coach them and improve their performance and it just took a long time so you know hiring too quick and also firing slowly yeah um, well we make both those mistakes don't we because mm. you're in a you're in a rush you've got a problem you need to solve it yeah and so you roll the dice sometimes you win sometimes you lose yeah um, but yeah, we, we, I couldn't agree more. Like taking your time when you're hiring is so important. And, and when you're letting them go, like there's due process, right? This mm. person might come good, they might not. You, yeah. you don't know, but you reach a point where you're like, I'm pretty sure this is not salvageable. Yeah. Is that what happened? And yeah, then it took another I mean, six it, months. I mean, yeah, it took six months to try and coach them and, and improve the performance. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I, you know, having conversations with my wife, every second night about you know things I can be doing better and you know because I, I take a lot of responsibility on myself Absolutely. like it's my business business I'm, owners I'm, do yeah it's your if, name. if they're underperforming it well it's either a, it's either a process issue in the business either a training issue or it's a them issue and I want to make sure I'm ticking off the process or or myself and training and if it's neither of those two then it's them um, but it takes a long time to realise if it's if it's our fault or not um, so that's why it, it was definitely too long to, to replace them. But it, yeah, it's, it's taught me a lot. <laughs> you know, make sure, make sure my processes are good, make sure my training's really good um, yeah. so then I can very quickly identify where the issues are and where they're not. I sometimes wonder if you need one really bad hiring mm. process to teach you what not to do. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of those things. Tell me about your personal growth as a leader. Because going from just doing it yourself to then hiring people, you you actually your role changes and, mm. and you as a person change. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something I think about. I mean, the two things I focus on at the moment is how do we how do we get as good as possible processes? Like the process, I, I want to make our business McDonald's. Everything has a very distinct process. Yep. The client's experience is the same every time. Now, the outcome's always different. It's always personalised. You know, the amount of cover and, you know, the right insurance company depends on the individual client. But we want to make sure their experience all the way through is the same for everyone um, and everyone understands their role within the business. So processes is super important in my business, but the people is is like the most important thing and so like growing as a leader is something i'm always thinking about like how do i 
how do I be as good a leader as possible? And, and I just ask for feedback. Like I catch up with every staff member once a month. And, and a part of that is predominantly just give them feedback, let them know what they're doing real, what, you know, what can they improve? But also, you know, what do they think can be done better? Like, how can I be a better leader? Like trying to be as honest with them and transparent with them about what I think they can be, be you know, be better at. Mm. And also asking them for honest feedback. Like, you know, I'm, I'm making this stuff up. I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so tell me, tell me as much yeah. as you can about how okay, I can I'm be sure better. they appreciate your transparency on that as well. So do you have external voices? Do you have do you have a coach or are you reading books, listening to podcasts, doing other things like that? Yeah, I'm a big big podcast listener. Yeah. Um, and I've got a that network that I've built out over time with with trusted partners. I I lean on them a lot. I call up, you know, a trusted partner, you know, once a week probably just to have a chat see how they're doing things see how you know what are their issues you know you know give them get feedback on my issues as well yeah i'm pretty relentless in asking people and i'm pretty blunt you know <laughs> I'll, I'll ask for help and, I, and i'm not um yeah i don't really care if i look like an idiot asking for help i'll just ask for it and and they can always say no yeah good advice when you look over the history of your business is there a, like a, a mistake you look back on and go yeah that was a uh that was a big one, and I learned a lot from that. Uh, yeah, 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 so plenty. <laughs> How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> as much as we need. So one of the big ones was at the start when I took over the business, that, that relationship soured when I took over the, the previous owner's okay. um, business. And that was just uh, like, you know, he was a mentor at the same time. I'd, I'd worked in his business and learned about it, and, and that relationship soured. So it was kind of a really good learning curve of just going, okay, if someone says something's in your best interest, just check it. Just make sure it is in your best interest. Ask for ask for other other feedback from other people. Yeah. Um, and it really just learned, you know, taught me that I can kind of like as much as a situation can be really stressful. As long as I, every time I send an email or pick up the phone, I need to be level headed in my response all the time. Yeah, we talk about step away from the keyboard. Mm. Don't send it. Yeah. Send it in half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I've really learned that, you know, through bad client experiences, bad, you know, referral partners, like all of that. It's a matter of going, I don't ever win if I'm just spewing frustration yeah. out there. So just take a minute, be professional in my responses and be firm. Like that, mm. that was the other thing is, is needing to be firm in my response, but always be professional in that manner. That was kind of my big taking um, from that experience. Yeah. And your goal of traveling hasn't gone away, but it's been paused thank, <laughs> yes. thanks to COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where is it you want to go? Yeah, so the first trip um, was meant to be now. We were meant to be in Bali for six months. Um, so Bali or Melbourne in winter? What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so oh, yeah, obviously COVID's completely thrown that out. Um, but we were we were tracking to be term two and three of 2021 was meant to be in Bali, um, but that's obviously on hold. Maybe a year or two. Um, so you kind of want to do the digital nomad thing. You just, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we, the reason we chose Bali is because it's time zone's good. Yeah. Um, culture, we can kind of lean into Aussie culture as much as we want, depending yeah. on our girls because we've got three daughters. So we want to be obviously cognizant of their, like how they're feeling throughout yep. that whole experience. Um, but also the ability to realise that we are extremely well off yeah, uh, in yeah, Australia yeah. and we're so fortunate to be, you know, to have 
be born in this postcode. Yeah. Um, and so being able to kind of teach our girls that, that, hey, we are extremely fortunate and blessed yeah. where we are. So we might be looking at 2023 now, I guess. Yeah, dep- yeah it depends on how COVID goes yeah, and, and what's going on. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's, an, maybe it's another country first. You know, Bali was number one because it was kind of the easiest, but we'd love to do like South America or Europe or, or something like yeah. that for, you know, three, six months. Um, yeah. But it really depends on how the family go while we're over there. Sounds like a great dream. Mm. Well, I, uh, I certainly hope the uh, pandemic gives you the opportunity. Yeah. And uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast and all your experience and wisdom. It's been wonderful having you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Cheers. mate. That was Phil Thompson. And you can find out more about Sky Wealth at sky.com.au, spelt S-K-Y-E. So, Jess, uh, Phil really talked about a couple of things. Um, one was niching and the other one was about relationships. So maybe... Maybe you can unpack a little bit about how you can build relationships using social media. Yeah, yeah, that's a common question I actually get is, you know, uh, uh, how do I build a relationship with people on social media? And I think particularly in the B2B space, LinkedIn is definitely the way to go to build relationships with people. So, yeah, having a LinkedIn profile, um, posting regular content is great, but you can take it further on LinkedIn. You can use LinkedIn Sales Navigator if you want. And what you can start doing is start building lists of particular industries or particular job titles and people who you'd really like to connect with. You connect with them and start contacting them. Send them a message, offer them some value and try and start building the relationship that way. LinkedIn is completely underutilized, in my opinion, uh, by many businesses. There are a mm. lot of opportunities. I mean, we've got clients who've got some really fantastic results with using LinkedIn and in industries that you wouldn't expect. Some of our trades yeah, clients do have, well. have done so yeah. well. So I think when we're, we're talking about building relationships on social media, we, we have to also remember that it's, it's kind of like SEO in that it's a long game. Mm. You know, we often talk about you don't want to propose marriage on the first date. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit yeah. weird and not what you want to yeah, hear. That's right. Uh, so take that sort of thought process into your approach with LinkedIn. Start connecting with people and just be genuine. Yeah. Ask them a bit about what they do. I mean, you can, you can see where their job title is. You can see where they work. Ask them some questions, what they're working on. And, and you just be genuine and explain to them why you want to connect with them. Why yep. do you want to build that relationship? Yep. If you imagine LinkedIn as sort of like the digital networking event, you know, you, you ask those sort of questions. Hey, so what do you do? Tell me yeah. how I can help you. Those type of things. That's yeah, a, that's reciprocal too. Um, how can I help you? That's right. Yeah. Help me? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you, you mentioned one other thing that uh, Phil spoke about and that was niching. So I'd like to get your thoughts on the importance of niching because I think this is something that, you know, I've certainly experienced you speak about a lot with, with our clients. Mm. Um, I'd like to get your insights on that. So I think what happens... When somebody starts a business is that they'll basically take money from anyone that will pay them to do anything. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, Phil, Phil's in financial services. So there's such a broad range of things that he could offer. Yeah. And it's not that different to potentially being in trades or, or in digital marketing or in all sorts of different places. You can just offer a whole stack of various things. And, and the problem is that you, you really look beige to people. Mm. Um, and, and at the start, you, it's kind of the right thing to do. Like you, you do need to start getting some revenue and you need to find your niche and that can take some time. But then you'll reach a point where you really want to become an expert at something 
And you want to choose that one thing that possibly you love the most, um, that you're really good at and that people really need if you can align those three things. Then what happens is that you start to sort of stick out, so to speak, in the industry. When everybody else is doing everything, they all look beige, then all of a sudden you're bright red. You know, you're you're something that's really obvious. Uh, So you start to build authority and then people start to refer to you because you're the expert in, in Phil's case, life insurance. And then your marketing becomes more efficient. So if you're going to do SEO and your industry covers 4,000 keywords, well, you might niche that down to 400 keywords. All of a sudden, you can dominate 400 much cheaper than 4,000, much Mm. more effectively. Same with social media, same with Google ads. You can target precisely the right people with the right message about the right thing, and your marketing becomes clearer as well. It does. It really helps your marketing, doesn't it? Uh, It takes some courage because essentially you've got to start saying... No to a whole bunch of things. You've got to start saying no, no to the revenue that you're used to saying yes to in the knowledge that you're going to get more of the right things. Yeah. Ultimately, you're going to grow faster. You will. And it'll be more profitable. You'll be more efficient. It has benefits across the whole business. So coming up next week, you'll meet a woman who was at the forefront of reshaping the beauty industry in Australia in the early 2000s when the first day spas and health retreats began to emerge. She is Vanessa Main, and she now runs a consultancy called Loft Inc., educating business owners in the beauty and wellness industry. Her business insights are invaluable. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co., produced by Claire Bruce, music by Harry Parnwell. You can find us at theonlineco.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with someone. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and come and join us on our Facebook group called Getting to the Heart of Business Community. 